Welcome to Common Ground, a higher education podcast that brings leaders from across Pennsylvania together to engage in meaningful conversation. I am Dr. Bashar Hanna, President of Commonwealth University with locations in Bloomsburg, Lock Haven, Mansfield, and Clearfield. Together, we're exploring the issues our institutions, our communities, our students and their families are facing on the path to earning a college degree. From institutional transformation to workforce development, college affordability, and career trends. I hope you'll take time to join me to learn more about the future of higher education and hear compelling stories from some of our Commonwealth's most transformational leaders. I'm joined today by a guest that's no stranger to the airwaves. Freddie Coleman has been a radio host for ESPN for the past 19 years. Freddie is a 1987 Mansfield University graduate. At Mansfield, he earned a degree in mass communications and was inducted into the university's Hall of Fame following a successful collegiate football career. Today, Freddie is the co-host of ESPN Radio's popular afternoon drive show. Prior to that, he co-hosted Freddie and Fitzsimmons alongside Ian Fitzsimmons. He also hosted the Freddie Coleman Show. Coleman first joined ESPN in 2004 as co-host of the nightly primetime program, Game Night. He did that until 2013. He also hosted NFL on ESPN Radio and makes appearances on ESPN's First Take. Prior to ESPN Radio, Coleman was a co-host on Fox Sports Radio in Albany, New York. He got his start in radio, managing on-air staff, and creating promotions at Oldies 97 WCZX FM in Poughkeepsie, New York. Freddie, thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to speak with you, and I look forward to learning more about your journey from Mansfield to ESPN. My first topic is really one that I think you and I share as influencers in our lives. Um, I read that mom was a huge influence and continues to be an influence in your life. Share with us. Um, the types of things, the lessons learned that has guided Freddie Coleman today uh, for his entire journey? Well, a lot of what I was influenced and continue to be influenced by my mother, Maddie Coleman, a lot of things were nonverbal and not just verbal because she always sets a great example for the kind of person that everybody should want to be. I don't care if you're young or you're old, male or female, where you come from or where you've been. She always sets that example and sets that standard each and every day. But I think the prime example of that was she was the reason that I decided to go to Mansfield University because when I went up there for orientation and I wound up being stuck at a bus station in Williamsport, Pennsylvania for 12 hours, I'm thinking there's no way on God's green earth that I'm going to go to Mansfield now. This is how it's going to look after only not even being there then that's not the place for me. And my mother said, look at it this way. When you get up there, see what it's all about, then make your kind of decision. If she had said, you know what, son, maybe that's not the place for you. Maybe somebody's sending you a sign. Then, yeah, you just come on home and don't worry about going to orientation and we'll find another place for you. We'll find another university for you. She said, look, you you got that brochure in the mail. Something about Manchester University appealed to you. So there's no reason to give up on it when you have not stepped one foot on that campus or in that town. So she was very instrumental in keeping me calm, keeping my feet on planet Earth when I want to just fly away and go somewhere else. So 
every time I think about Manchester University, I think about my mother and also my father as well, who said, look, you made a commitment, at least give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, you can say you at least tried it and you gave it your all. And it's just not it's just not the place for you. Freddie, so your introduction to Mansfield sounds it sounds as it was tumultuous. Twelve hours in any bus station is not how you one should should think of how they started their college journey. You got to the campus, and I'm glad mm-hmm. we're all glad you decided to give it a chance. What was that initial impression for a black man coming to a campus in rural Pennsylvania? And I know this is one of those sensitive topics. I think you agree with me and I'm guided by you because these are important topics for us in a modern society to have conversations, courageous conversations about. What was that first impression like? The first impression for me after the 12-hour marathon of spending that in the bus station at Williamsport then getting to the Master University campus at 3.30 in the morning, my first impression was how welcoming people are always going to be, even back to the 1982 and even now in 2023, because I'm wandering the campus. I don't know where to go, who to talk to. And I see this security guard making his rounds, you know, making sure everything was safe. And it must have been like Halloween for both of us. Because we looked at both of us, oh, you know, who are you? Who are you? And I explained my situation and it could have been, he could have, he, he didn't know me from Adam. I could have been just some stranger giving him some kind of cockamamie story, but he didn't look at it that way. He said, I tell you what, I'll get you set up here. And in the morning, I'll make sure that somebody from the Manchester University admissions office will make sure to get you to where you needed to be. And I'll never get out. I was awakened the next morning by a young lady named Dawn. And I wish I could remember her last name. But she really showed me the campus and she showed me the buildings and she showed me everything where everything was. And then she got me to admission so I could really get acclimated and also re- get registered and have a chance to be accountable as everything goes getting that started. And that never wavered in the five years I was at Manchester University and every university. And when you think about it, every situation, every job, even every family, you're going to have those bumps and pitfalls. You're going to have people that you look at and you say, I can't believe I'm friends with that person. I can't believe that person is on this campus. Or I can't believe that I'm related to that person. But that doesn't mean that that should be a blanket statement for how that area is and how Manchester University is. That's what the college experience is supposed to be, that you have so many people coming from different backgrounds and coming from different ideals and really different environments. And how can you coexist? Because that's a life lesson. So I never looked at Manchester University being in a rural area, away from the city, away from a lot of stoplights in the town. The minute I got on that campus and had to encounter so many different people in different situations, I said, well, this is how life is going to be just in a different way. But the friendliness, the family atmosphere, everybody coming together in adverse situations when something would happen that would go beyond the pale. You had a lot of people that were willing to make sure that, okay, what's the best position? What's the best compromise going forward to make things equitable and as fair as possible to anybody that may be involved or that could be affected? Freddie, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Because as you know, uh, there is this uh, narrative out there that rural America is unwelcoming for folks that don't look like whoever lives in that community. And thank you for sharing that, that your story about Mansfield. You spent your time on campus, you were on the football team, you earned a degree in mass communications. And then tell me a little bit about life immediately after graduating from Mansfield uh, for Freddie Coleman. How did you start your career? How did you wind up as a radio personality now on a national broadcast for ESPN, the place to be? Well, I interned at so many different places. And I will say this about Manchester University. 
it can really spoil you because when you get out there in the real world, you're thinking, wow, uh, the real world's a lot less friendly than it was at Manchester University. It kind of got me spoiled because you're taken care of in so many different ways at our school that so many different people are going to have your best interests at heart. And they want you to be a better person going out than when you first got there to Manchester University. So I really had to, I don't want to say fend for myself. That's not the proper way to say that. But I really had to understand that, okay, I can't rely that everything has a structure. You have to set the structure now. It can't just, you, you just can't be part of the structure or I know where to go to get this. I know who to go to, to ask for that. You got to be able to figure things out for yourself. But also Mansfield had a hand in doing that because you understood that there was no such thing as not asking or not seeking out somebody or not having the ability to ask for help. Mansfield always lets people know that, hey, it's OK to ask for help because we can't expect you to figure things out by yourself and just do that for however you're as long as you're going to be at Manchester University. That was something that allowed me to go out into the real world when I first interned at Hot 103 in New York and also WNEW. And then I was able to get my first job in radio in Portland, Maine at FM 103. That groundling of Mansfield letting me know to say it's OK to ask for help because you don't know everything. You were able to accumulate knowledge. But there's still a lot of things that you can accumulate that's going to make you a better person and have your spirit be better. So after I got all the spoils of Mansfield, after being there, I was able to understand that, OK, that education wasn't just something from a book sense. It was also from a Freddie sense, a personal sense. And that enabled me to go and accumulate steps and accumulate W's in jobs and, and, and making sure I could I was able to ascend to different positions. And when things didn't go right or let's say I got fired from a job. I had that baseline from Manchester University and also my family life to say that, OK, it didn't break you. It just stopped you. But that doesn't mean that you stay at that stop sign and don't keep going. You look both ways and see what's next for you and you go from there. If I didn't have that at Mansfield first, there's no way I would be at ESPN radio. There's no way I would have lasted at ESPN radio for the past 19 plus years. Those things really should always matter. I don't care if it's back in 1982 or 1987 when I graduated or in 2023 in the 21st century right now. Freddie, I want to I want to pull on that thread for a second. We have we have students at Mansfield and we have students at uh, Bloomsburg, at Lock Haven, at many state institutions who many of them are first generation college students like you, like me. And what you just said about sort of uh, not allowing setbacks to break you. What advice would you give? college students who may not have a parent or an older sibling or even a cousin, what advice would you give those students to make sure that the setbacks they encounter are just that and don't become a defining breaking point in their lives? Well, two things. Number one, you should always be able to learn from anything in any given time, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. It's how you are able to go forward and what you can do to allow yourself to be set up going forward what that experience was like, no matter if it was a positive outcome or if it was a negative outcome, you should be able to glean something from that and learn from it. That's going to make you a better person. That's going to make you a more valuable person, no matter where you are, no matter who you are around. That's number one. But number two, and this is the one thing I really stress to young people, life is about failure. <laughs> there can be plenty of times that you are going to fail at something or something or someone has failed you. That doesn't mean that your life is supposed to stop or that your profession is supposed to stop or that it stops your spirit. 
Because if everybody had everything where you were on the good ship lollipop, then we wouldn't have any kind of issues in this world that we have, whether it's individually or collectively or global or in your little bit of a region. So it's okay to understand that many successful people in this earth or that have been on planet earth have had failures. Look at the beginning of time. I'm sure Noah built the ark. I'm sure that everything didn't go peachy cane trying to get all those animals on the ark and everybody coexist together when the flood was coming around. But you look at other people who succeeded in any kind of business. They had a chance where a wall was thrown up in front of them or somebody got in front of them. Maybe a family member said you're never going to succeed or how dare you think you can get out of this sphere and succeed because this is all you should know. And that person, whether it was a male or a female, did not allow that to set their path for them. The stories in history are littered with people that had a setback and was able to produce after that, able to go for it and make things better for themselves and everybody else being involved. So it's okay to realize that things are not going to go 100%. There are going to be times where it's going to be 50%. There are going to be times where it's going to be 10%. How you're able to get back to that 100% to set yourself up to be a better person and learn from that, that's going to determine how you handle a lack of success or a rut that you could be in that you're trying to figure yourself how to get out of. Your first radio show after you graduated, and now you're trying to forge forward and establish a career and a, and a name. What were the feelings in your stomach? What were you going through the day before or the morning of when you knew at five o'clock that afternoon you had to hit the on button? Share with us, and, and this is really important for our students who are about to become professionals in their own chosen discipline when they graduate or just graduated. I would love to hear what was going on in, in inside Freddie Coleman before that first show. I remember the first show I did at WNTE. And I was happy that a pig in the slop, I'm telling you right now. And I said, there's no way that that's going to get better than finally having a chance to be on the air, even though it was our campus radio station. But everybody in that surrounding area had a chance to listen to 89.5 WNTE. So I'll never forget that first day when I had a chance to say, hey, this is Freddie Coleman of WNTE. So now you go from that to the first time that I was able to open the mic and I knew I was getting paid for it. And the first time I did that on FM 103 in Portland, Maine, where my first airship was working overnight and had to set up everything for the morning show coming in and had banter with the night jock that was on before me. The first time I pressed that button, it felt like my first at bat in the major leagues. But I had the same feeling doing that that I had back in 1985, the first time I opened the mic on November 1st of 1985 when I did that WNTE in Mansfield. Those first kind of moments just never go away. And you always remember your emotions. And I just remember feeling a, a sort of elation because growing up in New York City, radio DJs, it seemed like they were not on planet Earth. I said, mm -hmm. man, I can't believe somebody gets a chance to do that for a living. That's something I always have wanted to do, but never thought in a million, billion, trillion years that I would get a chance to do that. So to go from doing that at Manchester University and I didn't care who was listening, who was not listening. I know I was about to be heard somewhere. And then to go from that point to doing that and getting paid for it at my first job at FM 103 in Portland, Maine, that has never gotten old, no matter where I've been, where I've gone from there to, you know, 101.5 WPDH or, you know, 94.7, you know, WKZX and, uh, in, in, in uh, with Oldies 97 and now ESPN Radio. The minute you hit the on button and you're, you open your mouth, that feeling has never, ever gotten old for me. Um, how inspirational. So you, this was a lifetime dream for you for growing up in New York City to be uh, a radio 
show personality. There are a lot of students out there, whether they are in kindergarten or whether they are pursuing their PhD, who have a dream of becoming something. What advice would you give them not to give up on that dream? Because you're a living example of how, as a child, you wanted to do what you're doing. And very few of us ever, ever imagined that, you know, if you want to be an astronaut, that you're going to become one. But your dream was to become a, a radio disc jock and, and a personality that people listen to and are inspired by. What advice would you give those students, regardless of where they are along the journey? Don't be afraid to defer your dream a little bit to get there. And I know that sounds very simplistic to say, but sometimes the dream is going to be deferred a little bit because you have to take care of something else. And don't be afraid to maybe put that aside for a little bit, then go back to it. Don't ever allow your dream to just stay out there as a dream and not at least give it a chance to become a reality. That doesn't mean you're going to reach it. Not everybody can work at their dream job. I would love for everybody to have that opportunity to do that. But sometimes a different dream comes along and you say to yourself, oh, my goodness, I need to follow that. I need to go that route because I wanted to be that great FM radio DJ that I heard growing up. But there was no sports talk radio when I was growing up. So I wasn't even thinking about that. But the minute that that came along, I said, that's something I knew I could I could be really good at. So I was able to change my dream. I was able to say I can do it and stay with what I what I, what I wanted to do, but do it in a different discipline. So it's OK to have the dream tweaked a little bit. It's OK to defer that dream and then get back to it. But don't allow yourself to have that dream to stay out there and you're just wistfully looking at it. Do everything you can to get as close as possible to trying to make that word or trying to accept the fact that this could possibly happen, but I got to really put the work into it. I got to put myself into that craft to see if I can achieve that. Plenty of times people have something happen to them or somebody say something, and then all of a sudden they say, well, maybe that person's right. You should determine what's right for you. And if that is something that you want to try to accomplish, don't let anything or anybody else get in the way of that because there are going to be those obstacles that are going to be there. There are going to be those barriers that are going to be there. It's okay to either sidestep those barriers or jump over those barriers, but don't let those barriers block you. And don't let a dream deferred say that it can't be accomplished just because you have to put it on hold for a little bit. Again, I want to pull on a thread that you said your your answers or your insights are so incredibly pointed. And in our society today, we can all learn from your experience. Um, you said something about hurdles and setbacks. Can you share with our listeners a setback or a hurdle that you thought at the time might be the breaking point, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise that has led you to where you are today, the successful, I'd say inspirational speaker. You don't call yourself that. I'll call you that because I want to get to the to the to another point and talk a little bit about your show because your show is not just about sports. There are life lessons in your show that I think we can all learn from. Let's focus on a setback that Freddie Coleman was met with that in the moment you thought was bigger than Mount Everest, but here you are and you found a way either around it, through it, or up and over it. The first time I got fired from a job, when I got fired from K104, and believe me, you never think at any given time when you go to take on a job that someone is going to move on from you. You're thinking, okay, this could be a stepping stone to another job, or this is the place I've always wanted to work at, and I want to make sure that whatever steps I can achieve to rise up that ladder, I'm going to do it in this job, or I'm going to do it in this profession. So the first time that happened, that was just very, very traumatic because no one ever wants to be told that, okay, your, your worth is not of value here. And that's what somebody was telling me, that they believe that somebody else's worth and their value was going to be more than mine. I disagree with it, but that's another story for another day. But they made that kind of decision. 
And whether you like it or not, you have to go along with that decision. You can't just fight it. You can try to fight it, but they've already made up their mind. So the first time that that happened, I said to myself, oh, my goodness, I never thought that I, I would have to have a job leave me. But now what am I going to do? And it took more than a little bit. But I was able to stay in the business and doing different things here and doing different things there and sending out my tapes and sending out my resumes. I believe that just because that door was closed to me at that job doesn't mean that other doors or every door was going to be closed after that. And even though it took more than a little bit, it was worth that wait because I learned so much about, okay, what did I what did I do that caused that to happen? And the answer came back was that wasn't anything that I did. It was something that they believed and they wanted to go a different direction. Could not have that be a reflection upon me that I was not going to be able to do something in this business when it came to media. And I was able to find different avenues. Also, I found myself getting involved in television. I never thought a million years they wouldn't want to put this mug on TV, but somebody thought that was a good idea. And <laughs> so I was able to find different ways to do that. So by having that thought process to say it to myself, okay, that didn't work out there. That doesn't mean that that's the end of my career. I'm way too young to have that as a finality as far as that goes. But you find a different way to skin that apple. And luckily for me, I was able to say to myself, OK, I can do different things. I know I have my talents to see if they can be expressed in a different way. So the next time that a job left me, I said, OK, I'm better suited and I have more of a skill set that that didn't work. I can go somewhere else. And I wasn't out as long as it was the first time. Those are the kind of things when you have a setback, you have to realize that time is still on your side. You have plenty of time to find a way that you can find a different place to achieve what you want to achieve just because it did not work out at that place where you thought that was going to happen. Thank you. Um, and to our listeners, uh, time is on your side is what Freddie Coleman just said. And that's an important message to take away from that answer. Freddie, your current radio show, and I have to admit to our listeners, it, it, I try to schedule my drive time between the campuses around Freddie's show so I can listen to him on ESPN radio. So I, I I appreciate what you're doing, but I I wanna I wanna take it beyond sports radio because I truly believe, and through listening to your show, that it's not just about sports radio. That you and your guests engage in conversation about, in my mind, life lessons, and the broader sports is part of our lives, but it's not our lives. For some people, it is. For many people, it is. But share with us your perspective as to the goal you have for your show and you're reaching an audience who aren't just sports enthusiasts they may enjoy sports but they're not they're not the diehards that could watch ESPN 24/7 like you and I might be able to do so the intent for the show because if people didn't know they had ESPN radio on and they may catch an episode in the middle of the show sometimes 10 minutes go by and you're not talking about anything related to sports to me that that is part of why the show at least for me it's almost an education on what i go through with our students at at the at the university as you just said time is on your side uh, our students think time will end tomorrow for them they don't really recognize that they're just at the beginning of this long journey so the intent of or the goal for the show, share with us that what's what inspires you and what do you expect and want to deliver through each and every episode when you jump on that show? For those who don't know, I do a show with Harry Douglas. It's called Freddie and Harry, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And the one thing I will say that I've learned throughout my years working in radio, whether it's sports radio or even music radio, people want to get to know you. And don't be afraid to allow them to get to know you. And that has been really a hallmark of what I've been able to do in my career. But that's really the genesis of that show. And that's why Harry and I have that 
that great chemistry. We've had it from day one. We're also not afraid to laugh at ourselves or laugh at each other. We're not afraid to be juvenile. I swear the mantra our show should be, we'll be young once, but we're going to be immature forever. I swear that should be the mantra of our show because we do that each and every day between 3P and 7P. But we don't mind sharing our lives with people because we know that, yeah, we're going to get back to sports. We're going to talk about what's important when it comes to Michigan and the sign stealing scandal that's going on or what's going on in the NFL this week or the NBA, how they've been able to get started. People know that they're going to get that. But when they hear something different, in addition to it really brings them closer. Prime example, we had a question the other day. What? What is something that's gone on too long? And as we said, it doesn't have to be sports related. And people talk about, well, the Jerry Curl, that went on too long. This TV show, that went on too long. When you give something like that and people know that, okay, when I want sports, I know I can get it. But I can get something extra as well. That's something that we really, really stand on. And we're always going to continue to stand on. We never want people to look at us and say, I don't get 100% of Freddie and Harry every day. They know they don't know what that 100 percent is going to sound like, but they know they're going to get it, whether they like it or not. But it allows people to draw nearer to us and it draws us nearer to them. This way, they don't feel afraid of asking a question or they counter an opinion of ours or disagree with our opinion. They know they can they can come with that respect because we know we're going to respect them. And when you have those kind of circumstances where people know that you're personable enough that you can accept anything that comes your way and you can put that back out there as well. To me, that's always a victory each and every day. So once you get us being sophomoric at times and immature, there's always that message that I'm getting Freddie and Harry. I'm getting the best of them each and every day. And those guys are not mailing it in between three and seven every afternoon. Freddie, you call it sophomoric or immature. I think your listeners, and I'm I'm an N of one, but your listeners, every time I have the ability to listen, and it's two to three times a week as I'm in the car driving between the campuses, I will tell you, I, I leave the car and I quickly go to my journal and write down a note about what I learned that day to share it with students. Um, and I yeah. say that because I think it's important for our listeners to recognize that when you're genuine, authentic, and you're willing to be yourself and open up, that's a gift that society gets. Because at a time in history, when we are struggling for authenticity and genuineness, yeah. uh, I'm grateful to you as a Mansfield alumnus. Continue to journey, my brother. Uh, and I say that to you because you're a, you're you're at a time in our history that needs more good-hearted, gut-deep laughter once in a while because that's not what we typically are hearing when we turn the TV on these days. Yeah, one of the things about that, I'm glad you mentioned it comes to the narrative because we know that What's the old line in our business? If it bleeds, it leads. How many times have we heard that? And it doesn't matter what that story is. But I want people to know that that's really a small fraction of what's really going on in life. There are plenty of people out there who don't want any fanfare. They don't want any notoriety. They don't want any publicity. They're just going about being the best people they can possibly be. And they want that to radiate to other people. And they're not looking for somebody to jump on the table and say, hey, look, look what, what Professor Hannah did. You got to look at that. It's like, hey, he did that, and then they pay it for it, and then somebody else pays it for it. And you keep able to stack those things on top of each other. So, yeah, we know the news cycle is going to be that because that draws eyeballs. The more controversial, the more provocative things are, that's going to get people's attention. That's been as old as when they read the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's as old as life itself. But that doesn't mean that that's a big, big portion of what's really going on in life. It's just that a lot of people are doing great things, 
that they're not looking for publicity. They just want to make sure the world is better. And as long as those people are going to be out there, and they always will, there's always going to be room for hope. And there always should be room for hope, no matter what we see or what we hear when it comes to day to day and what's going on somewhere else or maybe even in your own neighborhood. Uh, Freddie, I'm not sure there's a better way than to close this out with that message. Uh, hope will always be there. Uh, Freddie, thank you. Uh, I say that from the deepest part of my being, um, and I hope one day soon uh, you can visit us on campus and see your alma mater uh, and be proud as we are of you. Uh, listeners, please, uh, if you haven't listened to Freddie, uh, jump on ESPN radio at 3 p.m. even today uh, after you listen uh, or watch the podcast, and you will not regret uh, listening to Freddie and Harry talk about sports and life. Freddie, we are grateful to you. We are very proud of you. A Mountie forever. You are one of those exemplars that started, uh, even though your trip, your first trip to Mansfield was tumultuous. Uh, <laughs> thank you for giving us the chance to do better. Uh, and again, congratulations on the afternoon slot. Uh, we are grateful for you taking time today. My pleasure. I can't wait to be back on campus next semester to see you guys. So we'll definitely get together and have a little lunch and just fellowship together. I can't wait. Freddie, thank you, my brother, for taking the time to share your story with us. It's been wonderful talking with you and learning more about your experiences as a Mansfield graduate. I hope that our listeners will both be motivated and inspired by the stories you shared with us. I know that I am, and I thank you for joining us today for this episode of The Common Ground. Listeners, please join Freddie for the three o'clock to seven o'clock show every day. You will learn more about life than you think you will learn about sports. Uh, he's inspirational to me and will be to you. To our listeners, please share your thoughts with us. And if you have suggestions for guests, share those topics at commonwealthu.edu slash common ground. Thank you again for listening. And Freddie, it's been an honor. If you would like more information about today's show, you can find links in the show notes. You can also visit our page at commonwealthu.edu slash common ground. I hope you'll join us next time for another episode of Common Ground. Thank you for listening and be well.